Hi everyone, welcome. Um, this is the Mixed Reviews. I'm Louie, and I'm here with... I'm Gavin. Sorry, I was taking a big swig. Oh, big swig. Big swig. Big swig. Very, very appropriate for a child-friendly topic. Right, right, right. I want everyone to know that Gavin is lit AF <laughs> for today's I episode. Think, I think I'm very passable at the moment. Right, think, right. Very. And I took a bus over here, so I clearly know how to do get, mm-hmm. get around. Um, you just, like, the sobering conversation about our topic today of... <laughs> What do we talk about today? Today, Gavin? we're talking about uh, the company that always has a friend in me, mm. Pixar. 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 Um, this was like a very, like, overwhelming topic. Like, overwhelming? I, think I mean, this we, was like... we chose this because, so like, I was out of town for a little bit, and we we're like, okay, let's do something easy. We've like seen all these movies. Welcome to the segment on the show called Personal Stories. Right. <laughs> this is a segment where I tell you all the things that happened to me this week. Um... Uh, but, like, and then I, I got into, like, watching the movie. Like, I've seen a bunch of these movies. I think I had only not seen Monsters University and, like, two of the Cars movies. Uh, but then I was like, wait, but what's my favorite movie? And I have no fucking idea. The, uh, and it also presents a unique problem for this show. Um, so far to this point, we've uh, only done actors. Uh, that includes actresses. I'm being universal. Mm. And uh, filmmakers. And so this is the first time we're actually doing a company like a, a group a right. production house that makes uh, a product that uh, we're sort of reviewing the work of everyone involved right. which is uh, a, a much greater uh, it's like a challenge. scope yeah. than like oh here's what Whoopi Goldberg has done exactly like no offense Whoopi you're love, great love Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi you did a voice in Cars 3 or Toy Story 3 Toy Story 3 right? yeah, yeah you were a scary octopus <laughs> and I loved you <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay, so Gavin, uh, why don't you, um, oh, no, before, we, before right. we move on, before uh, we move on to our rewind, we should finish up last week's business, right. which is, uh, the, actually two weeks ago's business, uh, the topic of Selma Hayek. Selma, who I love so much. Um, P.S., I went and saw John Early live, um, yes. in Brooklyn, right? He's in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, and all I wanted to do was ask him, like... What was it like working with Queen Selma? <laughs> you know what's great, too, about that episode uh, is it was very popular. Okay. And I was genuinely surprised by that. Uh, not because of the subject matter, but the uh, no, uh, no offense to Miyazaki or Michael Fassbender, but those were not some of our most popular episodes. Right. And, uh, so Selma was a real, like, yeah, let's get back on track with it. And I was, I was thank you guys for listening. I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. I hope you guys all went and saw Be At The Beast At Dinner. It's so fucking good. Um, and you should follow John Early on Instagram because he does have pictures of him and Salma Hayek <laughs> um, together on set. It's weird because you've been printing them out and cutting him out of them. Um, honestly, it's because he's my new boyfriend. <laughs> I love him. Like, I, I was like, he's a kind of interesting looking dude, but I'm into him. <laughs> he started the show with like singing, like uh, he has a live band and sang Alia's Rock the Boat. What? And he's like the most like awkward looking white man, but like he's got the moves and the grooves. I feel like I missed him. I know a couple other people that went and saw him. Yeah, it was... I wish I could be as cool as you. Dream big. (laughs) Uh, But we didn't get a lot of votes for our um, Selma uh, episode, but whatever, because honestly, like, the results are true and fair. I absolutely agree. Um, Fool's Russian got 0% of the votes, um, but a lot of people told, like, they were like, oh, I do, I love that movie, like, it's a fun movie, good movie. Um, uh, Midak Ali, which was your pick, got 8%. Be at the Side Dinner got nine percent, and Frida with the resounding whopping eighty three percent was the top pick for um, 
our voters. I do not think that's unjustified. Frida is a bona fide masterpiece. However, as Louis pointed out last week or two weeks ago, Minak Ali is on Netflix, and I highly recommend watching it. Watch right. it for July 4th. This is our July 4th episode. Yeah, so. oh my gosh. So for America, watch a Mexican film. For America, watch this Mexican classic, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into the rewind and um, educate me about Pixar, because it is like some fucking... Their history, their lore is complex. It is. Um, and muy interesante. So I have, and I'm definitely going to summarize this for you guys, I have about um, eight pages here. <laughs> Girls got uh, notes. No, ten pages of, uh, of their history. So let me try and do this the best way I can uh, without... Um, Putting without fucking sleep. Exactly. Um, Pixar, also referred to as Pixar Animation Studio. Uh, they're an American computer animation film studio, and they're based in Emeryville, California, they're currently a subsidiary, subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. Pixar began in 1979 as the graphics group, part of the Lucasfilm Computer Division, before it spun out as a corporation in 1986 with funding from Apple co-founder uh, Steve Jobs. Um, it's funny, uh, I, I do want to address that, but let me just give you a, a slight longer background on that. Um, as I mentioned, 1974... Uh, New York's Institute of Technology's founder, Alexander Schur, uh, he was an owner of a traditional animation studio. He established the Computer Graphics Lab because he was attempting to create the first ever full-length uh, computer animated film. What Pixar does that's so extraordinary is that we have um, taken a look at this new technology, computer animation, and we don't look at it as, as a way to replace any of the creativity or any of the um, real art of filmmaking. We still, we look at it as these are just n a great new expensive pencils, you know? That's what it says. It's, it's artists using these computers as though, you know, an artist at Disney uses a piece of paper and a pencil. In 1982, uh, the team, not having as much success as they'd like to, uh, became part of Industrial Light and Magic, which is owned by Lucas. George Lucas. And uh, they worked on uh, things that uh, many people will see uh, or have seen, um, such as the Genesis effect in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Shout out to my people, the nerds. And <laughs> Move it along. <laughs> and also the stained glass effect, uh, which is in the movie Young Sherlock Holmes. If you've not seen Young Sherlock Holmes, highly recommend it. Who, so much fun. Who plays him? It's, uh, oh, I cannot think of his name, but it's funny because there was a movie last year uh, starring Ian McKellen as Sherlock oh, Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah. And he goes and sees a film about Sherlock Holmes, and they got the kid that played young Sherlock Holmes to Amazing. play him in the movie. Amazing. Um, anyways, uh, that that scene is really cool because there's a stained glass knight that comes to life, and it's the first ever time um, computer animation was used to create the the effigy of a person. Huh. And it's really neat looking. It really holds up. Um, so after... Uh, after working with uh, Industrial Light and Magic for a long time, they spun out into their own independent company. Um, but they fell on hard times. They decided to become a hardware-specific company. Um, and they used the Pixar Image Computer as their core product. It's a system primarily sold to government agencies and scientific and medical community. Right. So there could be Pixar computers uh, in our government, which is such a weird, weird, weird thing. Are they coming to live and having adventures? <laughs> they, they, uh, God, I hope that's their next film. Um, I, know, I really hope so. Ooh, inside the FBI. Exactly. Uh, John Lasseter, if you're listening, mm -hmm. we just we just want some credit for that trademark. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
During the 1990s and 2000s, Pixar gradually developed the Pixar Brain Trust, quote-unquote, uh, the studio's primary creative development process in which all directors, writers, and lead story artists at the studios look at each other's projects on a regular basis and give each other very candid, quote-unquote, notes, the industry terms for constructive criticism. Uh, the Brain Trust operates under the philosophy of a filmmaker-driven studio in which creatives help each other move their film forward through a process somewhat like peer review, as opposed to the traditional Hollywood approach of an executive-driven studio in which directors are micromanaged through mandatory notes from development executives ranking above the producers. I know that sounds really complicated, but essentially what that means is everybody on their team works together. They're allowed to give their opinion. They're allowed to voice their opinion. If it's a good suggestion, they take it. They incorporate it into the film. If it's not, they forget about it. The way a traditional movie works, there's an executive above everybody who's like, mm, I don't think Jason should die in this movie. He should <laughs> die in the next one. So let him live to kill more camp counselors. And they're like, but it de- this movie depends on him dying. Uh-huh. And the executive's like, too bad. I am God. Is it like that thing when an executive's like, oh, I love the movie, but also let's call it Jumanji and like see what happens. <laughs> it's exactly like that. That's yeah. weird that you picked that example. Did mm-hmm. that just come come to you? It just came the, to me, you know? The ether? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um... According to Cat Mule, it evolved out of the working relationship between John Laster, Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, um, Joe, and Joe Ramph. And there's one more that I'm leaving out. No, he wasn't brought in until uh, later. Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Um, but he did eventually become part of the Brain Trust, yes. Um, so uh, they eventually became a Disney subsidiary after working um, uh, on the film Toy Story, which Disney then ended up releasing and, and taking part of. What makes a Pixar movie a Pixar movie? First, its roots are based in the work of Walt Disney. Story is king. Story is the most important thing. You want it to really resonate with the audience. Frank Thompson and Ollie Johnson always talked about pathos as the emotion that they always were striving for with the movies. You want the movies to touch people. And that really is kind of the hallmark of, of Walt. Make him funny, make him beautiful, make him scary. But in the end, you want that heart of the movie to be so strong. You want to make things that you just haven't thought of before, yet it's familiar to you. And eventually what happened is, this is a little more complicated, and once again, I will, I will try and sum it up. Uh, they had a three-film deal with Disney. They were not part of Disney at this time. Right. Um, they were an independent company, and Disney was like, that's cool, and they are like, cool, we're going to make this movie called Toy Story 2, and Disney was like, yeah, that's not part of the deal. And they were like, um, I'm a Newton Bitter. Uh, it is part of the deal. Right. And <laughs> But it's a movie, and it's the second one, so... Ex- exactly. And so, basically, Disney was like, no, that's not part of the deal. You're going to make that for us, and then you're going to make us another movie. And so, they decided, they're like, mm, we're going to remove ourselves uh, from being part of you. Um, and Pixar said that to Disney. Yeah, Pixar said that to, to Disney. Uh, the two companies attempted to reach a new agreement for 10 months before it fell through in January of 2004, which is not a long time ago, if you guys remember. Right. Uh, the new deal would uh, be only for distribution as Pixar intended to control production and, uh, and own the resulting film properties themselves. The company also wanted to finance their films on their own and collect 100% of the profits paying Disney only the distribution fee. More importantly, as part of any distribution agreement with Disney, Pixar demanded control over the films already in production under their old agreement, including The Incredibles and Cars. Disney considered these con- conditions unacceptable and Pixar would not concede. 
disagreements between Steve Jobs and then Disney chairman, CEO Michael Eisner, you might remember him from the wonderful world of Disney if you right. watched that as a kid, uh, made the negotiations more difficult than they otherwise might have been. They broke down completely in mid-2004 with Disney forming Circle 7 animation and Jobs declaring that Pixar was actively seeking different partners. This included Warner Brothers, who said that we would love to work with Pixar. Of course, they're a fucking money factory. Right. Hello. Um, and uh, eventually they decided to swallow their agreements. Part of the agreement being Circle 7 Animation was shut down. Circle 7 Animation at the time was actively working on a different version of Toy Story 3 than what we got. Yeah, we could have gotten a completely different version of Toy Story 3 uh, that would have been released not by Pixar. Um, It delayed Cars, but eventually the two companies were able to come together. Pending the Disney acquisition of Pixar, the two companies created a distribution deal that uh, intended... 2007 release of Ratatouille, if the acquisition fell through, the acquisition did not fell through, and so Disney uh, got 100% of Ratatouille uh, from them. But, that's a, if you're a, if you're a Pixar fan, that's like a very scary time, because the, essentially, there was a moment where Pixar could have lost creative control over all the characters they had created at that point, which would have been like... Fucking awful. Yeah. Cars, The Incredible... Oh, well, not Cars, but uh, I don't think yet, but like, Incredibles, Monsters, Inc., uh... A Bug's Life. Um, Toy Story. Toy Story. Absolutely. Uh, so, anyways, they reached their deal. As part of the deal, John Lasseter, uh, who was the executive vice president, became the chief creative officer, CCO, reporting to the president and CEO, Robert Iger, and consulting with Disney uh, director, Roy E. Disney, of both Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios, including its division, Disney Toon Studios, which will might get brought up later for the movie Planes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... As well as principal creative advisor at Walt Disney Imagineering, which designs and builds the company's theme parks, which I will circle back to later. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, Cat Mule retained his position as president of Pixar uh, while also becoming president of Walt Disney Animation Studios, reporting to Bob Iger and Dick Cook, chairman of the Walt Disney Studios. And Steve Jobs' position as Pixar's chairman and chief executive officer was also removed. And instead, he took a place on the Disney board of directors, which he was still on uh, when he passed away. Wow. Which most people don't realize. Uh, that's pretty much brings us up to uh, the current area of Disney Pixar. Uh, I do want to mention that Pixar has currently produced 18 feature films, beginning with Toy Story and going all the way to Cars 3, which just came out two weeks ago. Um, almost all of the films, except for Cars 2, um, have maintained like an A minus cin- right. cinema score, which is uh, pretty crazy. Uh, almost all of them have been nominated for Best Picture, except for uh, for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, right. except for Cars Two and Finding Dory. Um, Finding Dory and Toy Story Three are among the fifty. Good Dinosaur also didn't get nominated. Oh, that's right. Good Dinosaur also. I knew I was leaving. Cars Two, Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, and Monsters University. Monsters yeah. University. So all sequels. And good dinosaur. Oh, <laughs> um, the uh, not so good, are you, dinosaur? <laughs> uh, they are uh, Finding Dory and Toy Story Three are among the fifty highest grossing films of all time, um, which is insane. Yeah, they're the um, Toy Story Three as the third all time highest grossing animated film with a gross of one point zero six three billion dollars. Um, Can you imagine one movie making one billion dollars? Crazy! Like what? Even like it's it's easy to forget that these movies are not like this. They're cultural like, uh, touchstones and like they have a lot of impact. But Disney is rolling in bank. 
Like, they don't need to be making... This no. Is, this is the reason why they're making Cars 2 and 3. And like, is, I was going to say, this is also why, in addition to buying Pixar, Disney can also buy Marvel and Star Wars. Right, because they <laughs> um, made $1 billion on one fucking movie. Exactly. Uh, 14 of Pixar's films are also among the 50 highest-grossing animated films of all time. Um, studios are in 16 Academy Awards, 7 Golden Globes, and 11 Grammy Awards, right. among many other awards, uh, obviously. Um, and as we mentioned, the, the ones that have been nominated for the Academy Awards are everything but the sequels and The Good Dinosaur. Right. On September 6, 2009, Pixar executives John Lasseter, Brad Bird, Pete Docter, Andrew Stanton, and Lee Unkrich were presented with the Golden Lion Award for the Lifetime Achievement by the Biennial Venice Film Festival Award. The award was presented by Lucasfilm founder George Lucas. And that's a big deal. Um, most yeah. people don't get Lifetime Achievement Awards um, yeah, like, from prestigious film festivals while being that young. Right. They're like the companies, maybe in their 50s, they're, maybe 40s. Well, they're in their 50s, but the company itself has been around for 25 years. Yeah, which so, is insane. So they are technically the youngest group we've ever right. done. <laughs> right. What's interesting is, is it's a very common belief that when computers come into an, a new artistic medium, that something is it's either um, you know less expensive, takes less time, or or it's going to replace something. You know, it's, it reminds me a lot of when photography was invented. Everybody thought that that painting was going to get replaced. You know, and that is something that that really just you know won't happen. What computer animation does is it has a whole new look. You know, and, and but but the key word is animation. Animation, by definition, is making a motion picture frame by frame by frame by frame, and that doesn't change. We labor over every single frame, and so it's, it. I worked on Toy Story for over four years. The full production was two and a half years. The the difference between um, Toy Story and Lion King or Pocahontas or, yeah, or Hunchback. What is the difference? The difference is that we used a lot less people. Well, that's my point. It made it more efficient to do. Yeah. It was, and, and, and also, we were a much smaller studio. We were kind of, you know, uh, a leaner sort of Does group. Does it look any better uh, on the screen? Well, that is something for the viewer to, to, to choose. It looks different. So that's your history on Pixar. Hopefully that wasn't confusing. If yeah. you do find it confusing, you can tweet us at The Mix Reviews. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the history of this company is long and insane. And, yeah. like, I was just briefly looking over their Wikipedia page, and it's like, Disney and Pixar were, out, like... Fighting. I will. I will say the the part I find the most fascinating is the renegotiation that happened in the mid two thousands. Um, I do think there's something to be said for the alternate universe in which the deal broke down, mm -hmm. and we have these weird Disney made sequels of right. Toy Story, and Pixar is making us like a Ratatouille without the Disney influence. Well, it's and, funny because like both companies are affecting each other now, and yeah. like I think I read somewhere that like a lot of the animators and storyboard artists like are now kind of like migrating into Disney World, and so yeah. that's why. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up later uh, when we talk about our fast forward about okay, the fact cool. that yeah. um, well, a lot of these Disney movies yeah. are kind of like feeling the halo effect of uh, yeah. Pixar people. Absolutely. Should we go into our one-star reviews, or should we do our five-star reviews first? I think we should start a little negative on this, just because it is... I feel like it's, it's easier. It's easier, and it's something that everybody loves, and we are not here to destroy your illusions about right. about Pixar, but let's be honest, and nobody is 100% all the time. Right, yeah. I mean, they had a good run. Yes. And then it crashed and burned. Absolutely. With Cars 2. Cars 2, yes. Like, is there anything else to say beyond Cars 2? I mean, there, there's some, there's definitely some missteps. I actually think Cars 1 is absolutely a misstep as well, but, like, 
I, nothing is as bad as no. Cars 2. Nothing is as... Like, you you could literally have drilled a hole in my head and poured sulfuric acid over my <laughs> brain. I would have had a better time. I think with Cars 2, that makes me... I mean... So, first of all, I will say the movie is gorgeous. Like, I will say Pixar has that candy-coated, like, right. car look down. The whole Japanese, when they go to Tokyo, like, I was like, this is very beautiful. Yeah. But a couple things that, like, weird me out about the Cars universe in general... When the cars are inside the planes, which are also living beings, right. or, like, on the boats, which are living beings, that weirds me out. It weirds me out when, like, because, like, so Cars 2 is a, like, spy, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spy movie, but also, like, a, um, what's that thing when you, like, oh, no, you're not who I thought you were, but, like... Oh, like a mistaken identity? Mistaken identity. Like, it's a case of mistaken identity, and Mater is, like, at the forefront, and they think he's a spy, like, from America, um, and... So it's, but at the very end, there's also like a little bit of an actual Pixar movie in it. And <laughs> it's barely there. I mean, but, and that's what's so disappointing to me. Like, the reason why I really, really dislike this movie is because there is a good story to be told about, you know, having to like change who you are to like fit in with someone who is very popular and famous. Like, I think a lot of people can, like, can wow, I'm shocked that you found, like, you even found, you managed to find the message in it. I found the I message. Did. I mean, but the thing is, the movie does such a poor job about like, yeah. ex- like, exploring that I was like wait there is a good movie here but someone at Disney or Pixar was like no but like blowing things up and spies <laughs> and like Ugh. and I was like why like I the, for there are the briefest flashes of moments when Mater is like saying what do you mean I'm embarrassing you like uh, Lightning McQueen like what do you mean like I, I, I'm your best friend like let's go have like adventures together and Lightning is like you know you need to calm down you need to be quiet you need right. to like, stop embarrassing me that's a good like story and message and like you know accepting people who they are like I was like, wait. But also, it, it also like, I mean, not to get ahead of myself, but it also feel like one of the great things about Pixar's, and it seems kind of, it seems kind of like, ugh, to say like, one of the great things Pixar does is there's things for adults in there and there's things for children. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows that. But Cars 2 is completely devoid of anything for adults. And without that, there's a, a lot of it spending time teaching children, like, it's all right to be like obnoxious and rude and awful like and like he goes like he literally like is like oh, I'm gonna go to Japan I'm not gonna learn anything about the culture like he's the quintessential rude American like, I, mean, I don't think he's rude per se I think he like and I mean this just might be like my southernness coming out like there are people who you know like and there, I, I think I do think Mater is very earnest. I don't think he means <laughs> he's not even a real southerner, Larry the Cable Guy. True. I just don't think like he's like I don't think he's trying to be rude, but I I think he's just like oh like oh I'm po dunk down blah, blah, blah. and I don't know if this is also Disney trying to like reach to like middle America and oh, the masses. You don't. I mean, I mean like, like I don't want to like put words <laughs> into their mouth, but honestly, like I Disney's trying to reach some Trump voters. That's what you're saying, right? I just think there there. There could have been a good movie there, except someone was like, but let's, like, put spies in it. <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? I think the I think the other huge, huge issue, besides the fact that it's incredibly stupid, as you just mentioned, is um, that Disney, when you boil it down, by making Mater the main character and making Lightning the secondary character, which, by the way... If you watch Cars 1, Lightning eventually, quote-unquote, learns to be a better person, but he's a—he's genuinely, like, Pixar's, like, worst character. He has the biggest arc to get to being a good person. Right. He's got the longest way to go. Because even, like, Buzz Lightyear, when you're like, well, Buzz Lightyear's kind of a dick, but it's, but like, it's 
it's all like ingrained in the character. It all makes sense. It's all character driven and it like works itself out. But Cars is literally just like, no, he's a fucking asshole and that's it. But anyways, getting back to Cars 2, uh, the thing that bothers me the most in making the main character is Disney went ahead and made a Larry the Cable Guy movie. Right. They made Witless Protection. They made Delta Farce. But like the kids version. Right. Hey, what you got here in the tree? How about that pistachio ice cream? No, no, wasabi. Oh, same old, same old. What's up with you? That looks delicious. A little more, please. It is free, right? Keep it coming. A little more. Come on, let's go. It's free. You're getting there. Scoop, scoop. There you go. Now that's a scoop of ice cream. I mean, they said, like, oh, this is connecting, like, Larry the Cable Guy is connecting with, like, a lot of people. And, like, let's make him, like, he got the most laughs. And I, I, for all the, like, you know, your critique of the movie and how bad it is, whatever, I'm most upset. And the reason why it is my least favorite movie beyond, like, because I I was also thinking, like, Brave, I just didn't didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah, Brave didn't, yeah. Good Dinosaur was Good Dinosaur is, like... Like if, it was if, if, I, if I had to pick a, a second, like Good Dinosaur would be mine, and I think that's because Good Dinosaur is what sort of happens when you get down the line in Pixar, when they're like, we've sort of beat this message to death, so let's just sort of repeat it. And it felt like it felt like the cardboard cutout version of something like uh, Monsters well, Inc. I or think, like you know something that has yeah. like a real heart to it. It's just Blech. yeah. I mean, it, it was like an idea. Like yeah. I think Pixar works best when they have. Like you enter their world, and all of us, their universes make sense. Yes, like you. And enter- dinosaurs does a uh, good dinosaur doesn't make it, any sense. And yeah. I at first I thought uh, going into this movie I was very excited, and I was like, it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna click. Like I thought this movie was gonna be like, oh, dinosaurs continue, but all it was was like. And I I read an interview with uh, the director, and it was like, oh, I had an idea about what if dinosaurs were farmers. Yeah, and I was like, but what else? Don't worry, Mama. I won't let us starve. You're a good son. And that's and that movie had uh, when you talk about the the institution that is Pixar and how they they do their consent sort of like advising and consenting as the process goes along. That movie had its director removed. Right. It had the entire voice cast changed, I except mean, for the father role. So the good dinosaurs are really interesting. Um, same thing though with Brave. Yeah. You know? And their director was removed, um, and the storyline was really like you know sent in a different direction. And, yeah. And again, kind of in the same vein of Cars too. Like there is a good message there about you know a woman or a young woman and like not wanting to fall in the footsteps of her mother and like that relationship and how hard that is. And I will say I give credit to Brave that plot twist. Yep. No one saw coming. Like they were able to like keep that a secret where the mom is the bear. Yeah, um, and, th- and that's I think if you have to go in and, and compliment something, I mean, there's there is actually a lot to compliment in Brave. It's not my favorite either, but it's like a very passable movie. But I think the the highest compliment you can give it is I do think the the thing that works the best is the relationship between the mother and daughter, which often is not presented right. on film because I think women and this is this is coming from two men but i think women often have a a very different relationship with their mother um than a lot of people ever talk about right this is so unfair (laughs) unfair never there for me this whole marriage is what you want do you ever bother to ask what i want no you walk around telling me what to do what not to do trying to make me be like you well I'm not going 
to be like you. Oh, you're acting like a child. And you're a beast. That's what you are. <gasps> Merida. I'll never be like no, you. No, stop that. I'd rather die than be like you. <gasps> I mean, and then Pixar does have a woman problem. Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. Beyond, I mean, thank God for Inside Out. Yeah. Because fine, I was like, finally, a great Pixar movie about a little girl. And uh, I, I, I mean, everything else, though, it's kind of like there's Brave and then it's like uh, Dory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Dory's in a... The interesting thing about Finding Dory... I, I watched everything except for Cars 3. And the interesting about thing about Finding Dory is it's the same sort of premise as right. Cars 2, which is in a weird... You take the comic relief character from the, right. from the first film and you expand them out to a full thing. But there's something about the way that they did Finding Dory, which I don't think it's a, a great movie by any Me means. Either. And I completely understand like why it sort of fell... But, like, but there's that heart there that living heart and like I like that there's not really any villains in Finding Dory like even the like one grumpy character played by Ed O'Neill is like has a like serves a purpose I think Finding Dory though like sucked a little bit of the magic away from Finding Nemo for me yeah because in Finding Nemo it was like you know environment and like everything was like sound and the science and like things and go in Finding Dory it's like She's jumping into glasses of water and like, and I understand like the whole idea of like going there into the magic of movies, but this movie was expecting me to believe that like a group of fish were driving a truck across like the bay. I also, I also love the fact that like when you listen to the interviews about that, they talk about how originally it was set in like a SeaWorld-esque park, (laughs) and they were like, we had to change like the last third of the movie after the documentary Blackfish came out. We realized those parks are not very good for fish. Right. And like, but if you watch the movie, it's not the last third. It's literally like half. One fifth of, I mean, not one fifth, like four fifths of the film. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot. They literally spend no time in the ocean. And it's funny because like I, that movie feels very kind of like, I mean, it's funny. It's like, it feels kind of after school like direct to DVD it, yeah it didn't feel like it feels whole, feels like a throw some shade a DreamWorks animated picture it really did <laughs> like, it, I mean it's like oh it's silly and like I the heart was just wasn't like Dory as a character was so good in Nemo yeah um, because there was like a very like you know uh, the train of, and the, of that movie was like we have to find Nemo blah, blah blah this was like okay she's finding her parents I'm like that was all like second to this weird like whole scene where she's like in the Monterey Bay yeah. thing and like I don't know that movie my, my like, friend Sigourney Weaver <laughs> yeah, that sorry movie. that did make me laugh but. right that, I mean there are some good moments in it, yeah. but like, I, I, that's why I'm shocked that that movie is like one of the like highest grossing films of all time I'm yeah. like what the fuck the, um, good, for, good for them I guess I will give them props for casting Diane Keaton and Eugene Levy as her parents just because that's, uh, right. that's some good voice casting there. right but, uh, but I digress Cars 2 let's get back to that yeah, just Cars real 2. quick I mean so Cars 2 uh, like I said I I deeply do not like the movie just because it could have been a good movie. And it feels like someone it feels like someone was just like convinced the right person to be like this is the way to go. <laughs> right. Because like I said there there could be a good message there and I I am at, I I definitely relate to um the story of like oh having to like change who you are to fit in with like a more popular crowd or whatever. And uh I I also will say as far as Lightning McQueen um I think the entire cars like throughout the trilogy is about humbling him. Like, yeah. how do you humble someone who is perfect and good and, like, you're a model, you're Linda Valista, like, how, like, how... You don't need to talk about me that way, Louie, I oh know. Oh, my God, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, so, I, I appreciate, I, I don't, I don't have as negative a reaction as you do to Cars, um, but it is, it, it's like you have to separate yourself from the movie, like... Right. 
in Cars 2, there are cars that are, I'm assuming, dying, right? Yeah. When they're, like, they're blowing up and, like, I, falling into the ocean. I'm like, wait. There's, yeah. There's is that car dead? so much death in Cars 2. It's also weird, like, uh, Pixar has a tendency to also do, like, a lot of environmental issue things. Yeah. And so in Cars 2, there's also, like, the whole, like, all in all. And, like, but it doesn't make any sense because it's about, like, it's a plot about an alternative fuel, but it's created by a person that creates an evil alternative right, fuel. Right. So it's literally just, and I don't, there's nothing about cars that make any sense to me. It's like, why do they need to sleep? Do they age? Do they? Like, why are there genders? What are, like... I mean, but the, the, that's the thing also, like... I mean, so, uh, you didn't see Cars 3, I did. And I will say, Cars 3, like, hit me a little bit, like, wow. The So, Cars 3 essentially is about Lightning McQueen is aging. I don't know how. how? But he is. And apparently, um, uh, Doc has since passed from yeah. Cars 1. They mentioned him briefly in, in Cars 2 having passed. But then there's... There's, like, the implication that maybe they don't pass because they can be rebuilt? Like... I don't know. So, in Cars 3, Doc has passed away, um, or whatever, and the whole idea is, like, Lightning McQueen is, like, what am I... What are you supposed to do when you were, like, past your prime? And, like, you know... And the whole idea of, like, my favorite thing to do was to race, and... Um, he goes and finds, like, some of Doc's friends, and they're like, oh, Doc's favorite thing was not to race. It was mentoring you. And so, like, it was, like, a very sweet moment, and um, I, I honestly wanted to see Cars 3 just because Cristela Alonso has a, a big part in it, and I love her a lot, and um, she's from the same, like, area my mom's from. Oh! Um, in the Texas Valley. I and, like that. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I mean, I will say uh, it, it, that it is worth going to watch. I don't want to spoil the movie for people, but there's some really touching moments that... Um, you know, it, it Cars Two was like dead and gone forever in this. I did film. hear that they completely ignore Cars. Absolutely, 2. I was like waiting. I was like, oh my god, please let none of these fucking British people like. Mater, we have like. I was like, please do not. Um, and luckily they don't. I've also heard Mater is like a decre a very decreased role. Absolutely, and it's it's back now, um, squarely on Lightning and like, what do you? And, I mean, basically, the story is, like, what do you do once, like, your glory days are behind you? It's exactly like Rocky Five, you guys. It's exactly like me now. It's, it's Tommy the Machine Gun <laughs> versus Rocky Balboa. And that's... <laughs> that is a deep cut. And if any of you out there have seen Rocky Five, I hope you appreciated that. <laughs> We're gonna delete all of that. Delete all of that out. Get out. Do not want... Um, I don't know if we have anything else to say about, like, the negatives for Pixar I, movies, right? I don't. I, I still, like... I, I, I mean, maybe I'm being too cruel. Maybe I'm coming at it as an adult uh, and not enough as open. But I, I really, like, I don't know. I was I was raised very polite. I was raised by a Midwesterner. Uh -huh. And, like, I, I just found, like, him just wandering around and being obnoxious. Like, I was just like, why would you do... Like, be on your best behavior. You're, you're somewhere foreign. Right. I mean, <laughs> but I will say, like, you know, I, I think that that creates tension, right? It does create and, tension. And I, I guess there would be no movie if Mater was well-behaved. Right. Like, but also, there should be no movie. <laughs> cancel it. It's over. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's move into our five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. I want you to do it first, because I think I know what you're going to say, and I want you to say it. Okay. Do you actually think you... I think I know I think I think know what movie you have chosen. Okay. Then I'm just going to I'm just gonna pull the band-aid off, because I'm it. curious. Is it, my 100% favorite Pixar film is WALL-E. Wow! Yeah, were you not expecting I that? I was wrong. Yeah, you were. Uh, I think... Regardless of Pixar's studio, regardless of anything, the tension between Disney and like if you 
pick like Wally belongs in a in a fucking gallery. Right. Wally's a piece of art. That entire movie. It's the magic. fact it's magic. I I cried. I wept like a little fucking baby. Uh-huh. Um at the the first maybe almost hour. It's a long while. Is wordless. And the fact that you can do that and capture that, it's it's magic. It's spellbinding. And Wally, uh, as most of you know, is a, is a film about a robot. He's the he's believed to be the last robot on Earth. And he's uh, with the Star Wars nerds we call a protocol droid. Um, <laughs> where his job is to clean up garbage. And he's just been abandoned on Earth alone. And the only thing he has really to keep him company are the little ro- robotic mice. Are they even there? Or no, no I don't think... Co- it's a cockroach. Yeah, it's a cockroach. That's what it is. Sorry. I didn't rewatch, I didn't rewatch anything because it's- I did not want to be emotionally compromised. Um, and uh and don't ruin me pixar exactly and they could (laughs) they and um, and they do exactly and uh, and old uh recordings uh, and one of them is and i yeah and i cannot believe that they actually use the video footage of cornelius singing it only takes a moment which is like huh and uh and it's really great and finally he runs into another life sign which is a, a droid named Eve who's been sent as a scout to sort of like see if earth is inhabitable and uh he falls in love and and it's a it's a very simple story right. about a, a thing that's in love with another thing and like the links it will go to show this thing that it's in love with it and there's a in the second act towards the end of the second act there's this really brilliant moment where they have this dance in space and like mm. just thinking about it now like I'm getting emotional like I, I don't know what it is and there's an environmentalist message and, and like when you do eventually find the people of Earth he goes b- back and finds like a cruise ship that's all these people of Earth that have since like become so lethargic that they're immobile they have to fly around in chairs um, they don't know what interacting with other humans is basically even right. because they just have their entertainment and they um and like that's a really complicated message to send to children right and it's like the the idea that like everything's gonna be fine is reserved for the end credits because that is all background to this very simple story about uh, something loving something else right i I don't know how that movie distills the emotion of love which is an abstract concept to such a pure form that movie is like heroin <laughs> like it's it's amazing and you know how much i love heroin and you yeah. know me too that's why i'm looking so trim <laughs> this <laughs> all be- the heroin beach body by iggy pop yes, yes. um but uh i i can't i would talk about um wally forever um I just I think it's a perfect movie, and right. I know that's a I know that's like a thing to say. Like I'm sure somebody could try and uh, debate me on it, and I would just be like, "Hey, not listening." Like whatever. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I'm glad we did Pixar just so I could go out there and say, "Hey, if you haven't seen Wally yet, first of all, get out of that fucking rock you're looking under. Get out from under that rock and and watch Wally. Wally is a testament to the power of Pixar. It's funny because I rewatched Wally and I I enjoyed it more. Yeah, because I think when I first watched it, I was like, "This environmental message is weird. Like I don't know, like whatever." Um, but the second time around watching it, I was like, no, this movie, I was like, oh, why am I frustrated at Wally for like not being more urgent? Like they need to save the planet. But like, that's the whole point. He doesn't give a fuck. He's just right. trying to get with Eve. He, yeah. Like, his storyline and the, the storyline about the planet 
are concurrent, but they don't cross over. Right. He is not like, oh, I need to like help her to do like right. the right thing. He's like, I need to help her because I am in love with her and right. I want things to happen. I think also though, the second time watching it, I realized this movie really is like a call to mankind. And like yeah. when uh, there is a moment when two humans like bump into each other because like the uprising of the robots is happening. Yeah. And like you see that spark of like curiosity in- to them and they're like, and there's a moment when they they're like, oh, we didn't we didn't know we had a pool, and they're like playing together and they're flirting right. and like having this date. The part where they hold hands, right? It's so very visceral and specific to me because that is that is a a tactile thing, and to have something that's um, zeros and ones right. to explain that to you, right? <laughs> like, and, and what an interesting movie to like. They it took machines and robots to teach humans again how to be human, right? Like and have these human feelings and emotions. Human, by the way, is played by John Ratzenberg, who uh, was Cliff on Cheers, and he has a role in every single Pixar movie. Right. The great thing, like, the movie is showing humans, though, like, we, uh, there's entertainment and, like, all that cloud of, like, everything, like, the internet in your face, but it's so beautiful to see, like, curiosity, like, break through that, and, like, actually bumping into someone and being like, oh, like... What yeah. are you about? Like, what's going... And and that to break their attention from, you know, like, oh, trying on new colors of clothes or, like, right. a, a new fucking drink or whatever. I, that the, the movie, like, I guess now that I'm older or whatever, I was able to, like, read more deeply into the movie and I was like, wow. I mean, not and, only was the first part beautiful, but overall the message, I was like, I, I really um, felt... And once again, like, as I mentioned, th- those are abstract things. I mean, physically touching someone, obviously, is is different, but, like... Being able to convey that through, you know, we, we're we not at a point in history in which we can touch films. Like, there's no virtual reality films. But be able to show that to you and make you feel that somewhere in you, I don't I don't know. It's it's something very unique. It's something very good that Pixar is, is right. able to do when they employ it well. Um, no, I just... I, everything about that movie is, is really really particularly glorious to me it's it, it curbs a lot um specifically from silent films and how a lot of those you know people like charlie chaplin or uh harold lloyd or, or uh, buster keaton were able to draw these very visceral uh, emotions a lot of the time laughter like that's what a lot of people think about um silent films but most people don't give enough credit to there's some really dramatic silent films uh and and how people are able to express things, you know, through facial features, through motions. Um, and it, it's one of those things that's sort of taken for granted nowadays by people because it, we're a hundred years removed from them. Right. Um, and and it's, I don't know, it's real. It's a really, really clever thing they did. Because in that movie, it could have been easy to, like, have a mo- Like, in, in real life, it's like when you bump into someone, you say, oh, I'm sorry, and then continue on, like, and do not, like, engage. Or as opposed to, you know, here, if you're... 
they're telling you, yeah, if it's okay to like run into someone and like start a relationship, like right. it's fine to like meet someone new and like have a, a relationship. And um, yeah, I, I definitely um, agree one hundred percent. Wally is a fucking classic. Now, uh, is yours different? I'm curious because yeah. you talked about Wally for a really long time. I was like, oh, no, did we? So- end up- I really thought you were going to pick another movie, and so I thought, okay, I'm not going to pick this movie. Is it because I texted you earlier this week? Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, I just thought it was really your um, brand. We're now facing each other. If we sound different, by the way, uh, we we got some negative criticism on how we sound. I'm working on it, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Gavin, throwing it down. Um, I only get glowing reviews, honestly, about everything that I do, so I'm just like unfamiliar. Um... So I my movie pick is Ratatouille. Ratatouille, yeah, and I love I love Ratatouille. I I struggled a lot with what I wanted to choose. I I was like for a long time I thought I was just gonna go with Toy Story, like yeah. because it's I rewatched all three of them and I was like, man, these guys are so fucking funny and it's so good. But then I thought, you know, is Toy Story like the best work they've ever done? Like. I, I, I don't think, know. I think if you are to consider Toy Story, you absolutely have to include the sequels. So, like, I feel like in picking Toy Story, you are picking all three. Right. And that's, that's a more complicated area. But Right. And I also will say, you know, Toy Story is so good, but I think it just, like, yeah. laid the groundwork for, like, just more and more, like, ambitious creations. Yeah. And so Ratatouille uh, is a story about um, Remy the rat, and he um, lives in France, and he is born into a family where he feels like an outsider because he really, really appreciates um, taste and flavor and, like, the finer things in life and does not really want to, like, you know, he doesn't walk around on all fours like his brother and his whole entire family and clan. Yeah. Um, and he, through, you know, some misadventures, gets caught up in Paris and uh, working with Linguini... Um, who is a very, very bad chef um, at a very, very, um, or once was a very good restaurant. Yeah, a restaurant Uh, that had three Michelin stars. and Right, and then, like, uh, through, you know, the owner passed away, and, like, the new um, ownership has decided to sell out and make really shitty, like, consumable food, fast food, whatever. Um, Frozen meals. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, But what I love about this movie is this idea of anyone can be an artist, and an artist can come from anywhere, and and they kind of drill it into your head. And you know, um, one of the critics, like uh, the villain, quote unquote, yeah, not really, who's a, who's barely a villain, barely a villain. He says, you know, uh, this chef says anyone can be an artist, um, and he's like anyone can be, but not everyone should be, is what he like, you know, goes right. on and on about, and that is like uh, truly comes to life in the form of a rat. Who loves food, right? You know, and loves making delicious, good, like artistic, beautiful meals. And it's such a brilliant choice to choose an animal that we, as a society, have decided are dirty, are dirt eaters, right. like they will eat anything, and they're scavengers, and right. And I mean, and it's like such a um, a beautiful metaphor for like outsiders. And um, when I was in college, I took um, a women in lit course, and I remember we were reading a story. I can't remember the specific name of it, but going through it, reading it, and the whole idea that you can be anything you want to be, but you'll always be who you are. Like, and that comes through in this movie so well, because no matter what, Remy will always be a rat. And at the end of this movie, like, spoiler alert, like, the the restaurant is shut down because of a rat infestation. Yes. Right? Yeah. 
But I do like the movie's commitment to like it's a heightened reality, but it's also reality. But it is reality, you yeah. know. Like, and and so this movie also doesn't need to like send you into like an invented world where you know rats are talking because in this world rats are talking to each other. Right. Remy is not like, hey, Linguini, like let's you know do this and that. That's not what happens at all. Um, it it it's a heightened reality where the rats are together, and I mean. Man, the the, I, the the relationship between him and his like brother and his father and you know like being like oh you think you're too good for us and how we live this is how we this is who we are this is the way it's been and you cannot elevate yourself outside of who we right. are and Remy refuses to believe that and um, he is able to find an opportunity to where he is able to uh, live his dreams and fulfill his like you know lifelong fantasies of I like that someone's giving you fireworks I know right now, fireworks but... for Ratatouille yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, this movie... They're like, damn, girl. Uh-huh, you're on off. fire. <laughs> this movie's just uh, really, really sweet. And, and I, I don't know, like, it's it, it doesn't have, I'd say, like, the galactic magic of Wally, right. but it does have, you know, it, the sidekick of the chef. Like, the chef's ghost is his, like, kind yeah. of, like, conscious and being like, oh, you shouldn't be stealing the food. You're supposed to be helping and... Um, and, He's like and, a Jiminy Cricket, right? Sort of. yeah. yeah, he absolutely is. And the, the, at the very end, the set piece—the set piece of this movie—is cooking for this critic who has written off this restaurant, and he they finally make something for this critic who's he's kind of vicious. He's a vicious critic, yeah. Um, and they make for him ratatouille, and um, and and the the chef has decided, you know, um, I'm just a waiter. I'm not good at what I do. Um, I need the rats to like cook for me essentially and um, so to to give up that power to being like this outsider to like you know take all this glory and he makes it he serves it for the the critic and the critic like takes a bite and then immediate flashback to like you know home and like what the flavors mean to him and um, apparently uh, the director of this movie is it Brad Brad Bird Brad Bird they went to uh, the French Laundry in um, Sonoma or Napa and asked um, and, and the, the French Laundry is like a Michelin star like you know extraordinary place to go eat um, they asked them to create a dish for them and he created the ratatouille that is in this movie that's amazing um, and yeah I mean and they like overcome the villain in not like a superhero type of way like oh they must be defeated it's like finding the humanity and the artistry in all of us um, and it's just such like a, a beautiful message I, I thought you know I um I don't know. I mean, it didn't like move me to tears. There have been other. Oh, it did me. Yeah, I'm a big sap. <laughs> so I mean, there are other Pixar movies that move me to tears, but I thought this message was hit the closest to me. And it, yeah, and, and you know, if you, if you and and not even like an aggressive. Like I don't consider myself like a, an artiste or anything at all. But like the whole but idea, you take of, pride in your work, right? And, and I think that's something everybody can relate to, right? And being able to like you know whether you hate your job mm, mm. might be some of us. <laughs> I might be casting aspersions on me um but uh but, but being I able take to pride break, in what i do yeah, being able to break out of like expectations or like what you are quote supposed to be doing and like yeah. what, what is what is your lot in life um like and it was just so magical and wonderful to see this rat literally this rat who had grand visions of being a chef you know and who and and in this real like earth world where it's like literally every time they see a fucking rat they want to kill it yeah you know and he he's not in the kitchen trying to steal your shit he's trying to make Gorgeous food. Yeah. Um, I I, uh, I want to expand upon uh, you talking about that specific scene and uh, 
I know it's major spoiler territory, but seriously, guys, if you've not seen Ratatouille, like, do it. Um, uh, but uh, Peter O'Toole plays plays the film, the food critic in it um, in one of his final roles, I he's believe. He's so good. And he's so good, and he brings such gravitas in just his voice-only performance. But the, the scene in which you're speaking of, in which he takes a bite of the Ratatouille, is pure filmmaking distilled. Because the first thing you learn as a filmmaker is show, don't tell. Right. And... Uh, he like just to break it down because it's oral only podcast um, so you're not seeing any visuals but like he takes a bite and it like quick zooms into his eye and you see him as a child eating a ratatouille that his mother made and then it pulls back out and as an audience member, you know that feeling. Right. You, you immediately know. Yeah, you know what something like Whatever a smell it was. can trigger memory, like a seeing something, and you know how memory works. Right. You know, viscerally as a human being, right. and to be able to convey that through these really beautifully animated images, I think in like I, ten seconds. In ten seconds, and that's and then after that, uh, but like that to me is the high point of the movie. I, like that movie's brilliant all around as well. I one hundred percent agree. That's a great pick. Um, the but right after that, the the food critic delivers what I think is possibly one of the best speeches about criticism, right? In general, yeah. Um, in many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating itself. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is in the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. The new needs friends. Last night I experienced something new, an extraordinary meal from a singularly unexpected source. To say that both the meal and its maker have challenged my preconceptions about fine cooking is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core. In the past, I have made no secret of my disdain for Chef Gusto's famous motto, Anyone can cook. But I realize only now do I truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at Gusto's, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I will be returning to Gusto's soon, hungry for more. And the thing that's unique about that is you don't necessarily hear that on film, and it can sort of be applied to anything. It's not just food criticism; it's it's the critique of life itself. Right. It's the thing about like loving things and yeah. liking things, and like the idea of like being okay with doing something different. Like 
And and th- in this movie, it's like yes, yeah, like you know, allowing rats well, yeah. to cook you dinner. It's an extreme, right? But, but like, like, but imagine like allowing an other, right. you know, whoever that may be or whatever that is, and like allowing that to enter your life and like being able to enjoy that, right? And taking time out to understand it and taking time out to to know where it comes from, right? And I think that's a really powerful message for for kids and adults, right? Like, and I and I wish, I mean, I hope these movies are going down like really critically to. The masses yeah. that are they're reaching and they're um, shaping a more like understanding and like loving um, universe because I, if more people watch Wally and Ratatouille and it's like yeah no I'm not gonna go fucking eat food that rats make right but it's like you know I'm gonna try something new I'm gonna like be adventurous and courageous and like doing something new and different and not automatically writing it off because it's not something I know absolutely I'm glad you picked Ratatouille I think Ratatouille is. Is really underserved in their in their canon. For me, though, I will say I've seen, seen Toy Stories one a million times, and every time Buzz Lightyear um, realizes he can't fly, yeah, that fucks me up. Yeah, I, I mean, because so the um, uh, oh God, what's the name of the the guy who does their music? Randy Newman. Randy Newman. Okay, let me tell you, I am not a Randy Newman fan. So right, <laughs> like, but cut back to 1995, and it's right. the first time you hear Randy Newman. Yeah, and and that. There's a song playing and like the commercial like that where he realizes he's literally a manufactured toy. Yeah. And he decides to you be like, No. Yeah. No, I can fly. And he decides to jump down the stairs and he fucking breaks himself. Yeah. It is the most tragic, sad thing I've had seen in a long time. That's true, I'd forgotten about that. It's the so. moment when you realize you are not what you like you were not as great as you thought you were it's a right. very humbling you know thing and so even even in their first movie they were having these moments where it like was just like <laughs> so as you mentioned in our rewind they have won 16 academy awards or something crazy 18, like that 18 i believe no, there's, 18, me... there's 18 movies oh 18 movies yes. right um and also you didn't mention this but um they also like <laughs> calling me out no, 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 no not like you didn't miss this but Toy yeah, Story 16 3, Academy Awards you're Toy right. Story 3 and Up were also nominated for Best Picture that year yes. so they were not not only nominated for Best Animated Feature they were also just nominated for Best yeah. Picture overall so crazy that Up was nominated for Best Picture right. whatever um, I, what I wanted to do because we touched on this a little bit in the Miyazaki uh, uh, episode about you know uh, being nominated in movies that are fucking winning and I just thought I wanted to go through the years that um their mov- these movies were nominated and I wanted to ask you um of the movies that were nominated which would you have chosen for the best of that year okay um so in 2001 which is the first year that the academies gave out best anime pictures um the nominees were Shrek Monsters Inc and Jimmy Neutron's movie okay so clearly Monsters Inc deserved it I mean you're a liar cuz Shrek is amazing <laughs> uh, in 2003 finding and and so um that year Shrek did win yeah, um, I know it's wrong, yeah. but uh, <laughs> no, I'll fight you. Uh, in 2003, Finding Nemo was nominated. Brother Bear and the Triplets of Belleville were nominated. Oh, I really like the Triplets of Belleville, but I guess Finding Nemo was Finding probably, Nemo yeah. did win. Um, in 2004, uh, The Incredibles, Shark Tale, and Shrek Two. Shark Shark Tale Shark Tale was yeah. nominated. Yeah, I, I, know. I mean The Incredibles. Incredibles that, far yeah. away, and mostly I'm doing this because there's a lot of people who tell me that um, Pixar movies are overrated. Oh, I thought for a second there you were gonna say no, no, no. Uh, Shrek Two deserve. Like, no, there's no, a lot no, of people no. who tell me Shrek Two deserve the win. No, no, no. Uh, people always are telling me how um, Pixar movies are overrated. And I just thought it'd be interesting to see what they're up against in, like, I guess this... I mean, I suppose those people could be talking about the, the animated films that are not nominated, but whatever, right. we'll just... Um, and so in 2006, it was Happy Feet.
eat cars and Monster House. And I love Monster House. I love Monster House. I would have given it a Monster House. Same. Um, Happy Feet One. Oh, That's, really? Yeah. So I saw that in the theater with my niece, Taya, who's now 18 and graduated because I'm an old man. Uh-huh. Um, literally, they got it wrong that year. Not only... So Cars definitely should have won, but Happy Feet also, no. Um, in 2007, it was Ratatouille, Surf's Up, and Persepolis. Oh, oh, Persepolis. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, Ratatouille. I mean, I love Ratatouille, but like Persepolis was like important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2008, it was uh, Wally, Bolt, and Kung Fu Panda. Oh, well, I mean, I almost said whoa. I almost said Bolt. Uh, obviously, Wally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same. I mean, uh, I, I do like. I will say, if the one thing DreamWorks Animation does really well, it's the Kung Fu Panda. Movie. Kung Fu Panda movie was great. Yeah. Uh, Two thousand nine. Um, this is uh, finally, I think, animation caught up with the rest of the world, and so um, there are more nominees now instead of just three. So in two thousand nine, it's Up, Coraline, The Fantastic Mr. Fox, Princess and the Frog, and The Secret of Kells. Oh God, that's a hard because Secret of Kells is amazing. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, I love. Right. Uh, what won that year? Just out of curiosity. So up won that year. Up won. Right. That year they also were nominated for Best Picture. I would have. I would have given it to maybe Secret of the Kells, and I know that's a controversial pick. I but I really love Secret of the Kells. I would have given it to Fantastic Mr. Fox. I do love Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's great. So. Uh, though, like Coraline is also amazing. Oh, Coraline, absolutely. Coraline is the only to this day the only time I've been to a 3D movie that's like really impressed me. Uh, 2010, Toy Story. 3. Three, How to Team a Dragon, and The Illusionists. Uh, the Illusionist is really fantastic, but Toy Story Three deserves it. Oh far, my God, far and away. The Illusionist will break your heart. Uh, 2012 was Brave, and this is the year that is utter bullshit. Brave, Paranorman, Frankenweenie, Wreck-It Ralph, or Pirates. <laughs> oh, Pirate, yeah, which we uh, we should have talked about uh, a couple weeks ago f- for something, and I can't remember why. But um, uh, I would, I would. You said Paranorman's amongst that. Paranorman is... I would, I would have given it to Paranorman, but same. I'm also, like, an angsty teenager, so... I think Paranorman is so fucking good. I mean, honestly, in 2012, just anything but Brave should have won. Yeah, yeah. And Wreck-It Ralph should have won, because Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph's... But that's that's the thing, is... Uh, we'll talk about this in our fast forward, but go on. Uh, 2015, Inside Out, Animalisa, Boy in the World, Shaun the Sheep movie, and When Marnie Was There. When Marnie is there is great. Shaun the Sheep movie is very charming. But it's Inside Out. Inside yeah, Out. Yeah, it so deserves in, it. And Inside it's, Outside did Anomalisa win. does not deserve it. Fuck off. Charlie Kaufman yeah. and your heteronormative bullshit. Awful movie. Um, <laughs> and, and that and so that, that brings us up to date because they did not get nominated for Finding Dory. So yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I just wanted to do this because I think there are definitely times when they won the Academy Award and they shouldn't have won. Yeah. And there are better animated movies out there. Paranorman. Paranorman. <laughs> Let's go into our fast forward. Let's do it. Uh, so they... It is such a weird time for Pixar, honestly. It's a very weird time for Pixar. Their next movie coming out is coming out this um, November. Um, it seems like they have a movie every Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, and, and certain years they have two movies a right. year, like this year, because Cars 3 just came out two weeks right. ago. And th- so this Thanksgiving they're coming out with Coco, or Coco, yeah. um, and it is basically uh, the Book of Life redux yeah. for Pixar. And that's not a read, but it's like a very... Um, Weird that these both both of these movies were like in production around the same time, yeah. and uh, that's happened a bunch with Pixar. I mean, A Bug's Life came out at the same time as Ants, right. and like Finding Dory around the same time as Shark Tale. Like that's it seems to be a very Finding common. Nemo and Shark Tale. Try Finding Nemo, yeah, 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 sorry. yeah. Um, and I mean, the one thing I will say, I mean, I think this movie like ha- it came out that people like they were making this movie, and you know, the internet was like, you better. 
you know. Yeah. And it's hard though because I think learn to be fucking sensitive because it's what you're good at. Right. So <laughs> and I think the the Book of Life was made by Mexican Americans yes. in Austin, and so I feel like Pixar was like, we need to slow down, recheck ourselves, and so um, the cast of Coco is literally all Mexican Americans or Mexicans, um, and it's about uh, the Day of the Dead. Yes. Um, also in production and coming later is an Incredibles two. Uh, a Toy Story that, 4. Yeah, that... Uh, uh, no, don't... Stop that now, Pixar. Stop it stop now. Stop it now. Um, I th- I mean, th- th- that's literally what they have on tap. There's like an unnamed movie coming in 2020, um, but those are the next three projects coming from Pixar, and it's like kind of... Yeah. Uh, um, I'm at this point, too, based on their past sequels, besides the Toy Story movies, I'm also nervous for Incredibles 2. Yeah. Um, story has to be there. Because the thing that drives Incredibles one is the family, right? And like that's right, and, and it almost and like, and aging, <laughs> which is a weird thing to talk about in kids' movies, but whatever. Right? I mean, I almost feel like cheated. Why is there a fourth Toy Story movie? I don't know. And and allegedly it's going to be about you know like where, it's like a soft reboot where Bo Peep went and which was the original plot of Toy Story three, and then they decided that's a shitty thing to do, right? So like, and I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's going to be after like in the timeline of Toy Story. Are they just kind of, like, inserted, like, a Lion King one-and-a-half situation? I don't think so. I think it's about the new owner of all those toys, too. Which, like, removes us from the dramatic arc of the fact that, like, they're Andy's toys. But also, going back would remove us from the dramatic arc of being Andy's toys. Because right. we've already seen the end. Right. And it, it, It's a bad idea all around. Yeah, I'm nervous about that. I mean, I'm excited for Coco and see how what that's like. Yeah. I like, uh, you know, Dave Dead's, like, fun visuals and stuff. Um... But Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4, I'm not here for. Real quick, uh, I wanted to just address this in um, uh, in the fast forward. Uh, I sent you this article. I don't know if you read yes, it. Yes, I read it. Uh, there's a Slate article out right now. It's really good. It's by Christopher Orr. I do want to give a shout out to the person who wrote it because they're the person who actually worked on it. Uh, the title is uh, How Pixar Lost Its Way. For 15 years, the animation studio was the best on the planet. Then Disney bought it. Right. And it's actually a really interesting article about how Disney has sort of... Um, it's like the commodification of art. Yeah. They they purchased something that was original and independent and sucked it dry of ideas. So much so that their animation studio, Disney Animation, is actually outdoing Pixar in terms of its own right. game. Yeah. Which could be true. I mean, if you... I... I don't love Zootopia. I liked Zootopia, but I think its message is a bit like, um, oh, minorities want to kill you, but it's okay because they'll fight those urges. Um, yeah. And I thought that was a little weird thing to teach children. Okay. Um, okay. But, uh, the, but like, you know, Frozen and Tangled and like that stuff, uh, I think, I think they've done a, they've come a re- Wreck-It Ralph, they've come a really yeah. long way in terms of that. Also, what they've done Disney in combining their forces, and we mentioned Bob Iger before, uh, running both uh, Pixar, Disney Animation, and the Imagineer Studio, which runs their theme parks and comes up with the ideas for their yeah. theme parks, has yeah. begun to stretch Pixar a little thin. Right. Um, and one of those, well, the thought process behind that is that literally what they're doing is they're basically just coming up with things that are profitable. Right. They need content yeah. to like fill all sorts of markets. So it's like right. more Cars movies means more content to mine for, you know, Cars rides and Cars products. And I don't know if it was brought up in this article or if it was brought up in my other research, but they, they said the thing that eventually really led them to focus on the deal with with Pixar and really get it, get it and make sure they didn't lose it to another company was uh, one of the executives was at a, a Disney Tokyo parade that they have because if you ever go to any of the Disney parks they have many parades 
and all of the characters leading the parade were characters Disney hadn't created in the last 10 years. They were all Pixar characters. Wow. And they realized they could commodify that as if they owned them right. instead of, you know, licensing it. Yeah. And, um, and so I think this is a really interesting article. I think it brings up a really valid point that, like, yeah, it's more like Pixar is... And I, I would say based on the things that have been coming out, Finding Dory... Dory's a very popular character. Right. Cars 3, the cars... I mean, no one has made more money for Pixar and Disney than the merchandising of toys because it's very simple to get young boys yeah. interested in cars. It's, it's funny, though, because I, I wonder, like, do you think Disney-Pixar would make Ratatouille now? Or do you think they would I make... don't. I genuinely don't. And it's 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 crazy because when, like, when you think about the marketing that they did for WALL-E... Right. Going to that movie, you didn't know what the fuck that movie was going to be about. Like, no. it was a complete mystery about, like, what the and, movie was going to be really, about. And really, part of that is, is, like... This goodwill contract you have with an audience and if you start releasing things like you know cars 2 and cars 3 you you diminish that contract yeah, yeah. and i think uh I, that's why i was really really sad and heartbroken when good dinosaur didn't do yeah as i mean it didn't make as much money as it needed to it wasn't as good as it wanted it to be and i was like fuck i was so excited because i was like yes a new original movie. original idea yeah, yeah and and that just gives more ammo to like executives to be like there we're not doing another good dinosaur right we're not gonna do that we need another and it was so clear when you watch at least for me when I watched good dinosaur I was like oh they clearly thought this character would be a good like stuffed animal yeah they would, like a huggable thing that you could sell right and I uh, man I, I wish that movie would have been like so good and yeah. I mean, that's why fingers crossed for Coco because I just want uh, Pixar to not fall into this like rabbit hole of like right. I mean uh, oof. Man, like Miyazaki would never be like Totoro Ten, like yeah, you know exactly, like exactly. There's there's a certain integrity, I think. Like you know, it's uh, I've been a comic book fan for years and years and years and years since I was like nine, and like that's one of the pitfalls that comic companies always fall into is the over merchandising of things, the over the over rebooting of things, the over like, and that it is interesting to see. Especially with superhero films, films going that way, um, and you expect more out of something like Pixar. I did want to mention because I brought it up earlier Disney Tunes. Uh, Disney Tunes is a subsidiary of Disney that makes really shitty sort of knockoffs of their films. If I mean it's the best way, and that includes Planes and Planes Fire and Rescue, which are spinoffs right. of uh, cars. cars, which are like literally just like an hour and a half cash grab. Right, and I. F- kind of feel bad for the parents that bring their kids to it because I totally understand like you want your kid entertained you want a good solid hour and a half where you don't have to like but at the same time like you're you're being duped and your kids are being duped right and, and it's like, weird though because like they made planes for like a directed video and, right and then someone was like this is great let's put it in theaters yeah and I mean I feel bad because like the filmmaker apparently was like oh wow like I, I'm brought up to the A-team now I'm, I'm doing like full length features and I'm like, like no no sweetie yeah. thank you but <laughs> no 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 um I, I also uh, am curious uh, before we before we close the episode. Uh, I do want to how how the the process we mentioned many times about Pixar how they put together a film. How do you feel about that? How they put it together because being so, collaborative. Yeah, because in a in a way, like there's good positives and negatives. I think in a way it's actually very positive. It's led to some really positive things for them. Right. Um, but it also like really brings up 
a lot of like the old Hollywood studio system yeah. where you would sign a filmmaker to a contract or you'd sign a, an actor to a contract and they would solely work for you or like films were written by teams of like 15 people. But that's not always negative either because Casablanca, Wizard of Oz, these are films written by like teams of people, right. not just like one person. I don't know. I mean, I I know personally like the way I like to work when people like I, I it's like let me own something and yes. like, like this is my baby and I can't um, I, I can't imagine I forgot her name the woman who is directing Brave yeah and then to be like no yeah like, and pushed aside the same thing happened in Ratatouille though also you know they got a new director and I mean that movie came out great and so, yeah and, Bra- and Brad Bird was brilliant for when he came in but uh, yeah it wasn't Brad Bird's baby to begin with yeah and, and so I don't know it, it almost feels like uh, nothing is sacred for them, right? Yes. And so it, it, it's hard to... Um... It, it's such a double-edged sword because I feel like it really keeps them from becoming too precious about their work, but it also keeps their work from being precious. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I mean those in two different ways of, yeah. of, of uses of the word. Yeah, it's it's hard because... because I... and, it, and it's almost like you mentioned with Cars too. Like, it really felt like someone was like, I have this idea about, like not having to change who you are to to fit somebody else's ideal of who you could be and somebody else is like but spies yeah, like, yeah. I mean literally I mean, yeah. sometimes with these movies it feels like oh this was tacked on yeah um, and and I, the best movies are the ones that don't feel like that at yeah, all yeah yeah and 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 it also feels like like I said their best movies are when you walk into their universe and you feel like you already know it it's very familiar you get oh these are toys and they whatever and they talk and uh you, you understand it and once like you there are other people with their ideas and it goes layered layered on and on and on and it feels like also these movies need like or sometimes when they're overwhelmed like they need like thought editing yeah. you know like the ideas it's like less 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 yeah. less when you think about Toy Story and how brilliant it is it's like there are not a lot of things going on right yeah there's, it is one it's, story I mean it's the, the initial concept of what if toys wanted us to play with them right like that was the initial concept and it's still there present throughout all three movies right and even like when you think about Inside Out yeah which is a complex movie but literally is yeah, like yeah it's really hard to explain to kids you're gonna go through a change and you're gonna get more like right. emotional and like right but like the, the pitch of the movie is like what if your emotions like you know a movie about your emotions and what they did to like keep you going yeah um, it, it's so funny I remember when that movie came out and there was a lot of criticism about like dumbing down emotions it's like it's not dumbing down it's trying to explain them and well, like yeah. sometimes it takes a more simpler metaphor than I even thought though like it wasn't dumbing down because at the end it's like oh complex emotions I'm joyous and sad right. at the same time right well like, that's the whole thing and most critics are like it takes too long to get there and it's like well that's the movie that's literally the movie, so <laughs> like, get over it so uh, let's just wrap this baby up let's wrap it up uh, hopefully you guys learned an emotional lesson as well as an intellectual yeah. one in this episode so we both agreed though our one star review movie is Cars, Cars 2, 2. Uh, my five star pick was Ratatouille and my five star pick was Wally. Uh, if you have not seen them seriously like, like take an afternoon you? and also double feature them like you're right. gonna, you might like maybe you won't cry like stone hearted Louie over here but uh, <laughs> But uh, you'll definitely well up a little bit. You might cry. I cried um, enough. I, 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 <laughs> I cried a lot Inside Out. So yeah, well, Inside Out didn't hit me as hard as I was. I was a little shocked at that. It's interesting what what makes people like what they connect. Right. I connected with Inside Out a lot, but I I didn't really. I was like, well, oh my god, sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to cry watching a Pixar movie, just put in Toy Story two. Yeah. <laughs> fast forward to Jesse's song and, and just 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Turn you're, off the lights and you'll you're die. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> Gone's out. But uh, if you want to reach us online, there are many ways to do that. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on... Uh, I almost said Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. Uh, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com, in which, if you want to leave us a note saying who you think we should do in the future, or right. if you want us to do more film studios like we did this time, though, we're not going to go back and do the entire Warner Brothers catalog. Sorry. <laughs> um, Miramax, here we come. <laughs> um, but uh, and also, you should subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, uh, we are on SoundCloud currently. The episodes on SoundCloud right now are Anne Hathaway and I think Whoopi Goldberg, uh, but I'll be updating them. The Anne Hathaway one's just so freaking popular that I felt like taking the it down. People love Anne. They do. Uh, princess of Genovia. And, um, the princess. Exactly. Uh, if you're on Stitcher or iTunes, feel free to leave us a rating and a review, preferably a positive one. It helps other people find us. That'd be great, guys. Absolutely. And uh, we will see you in two weeks. We're going to go debate about what should be our next subject. We know what our next subject is going to be in four weeks, uh-huh. but we still have two weeks between them. Correct. So um, so also look out for our Twitter poll yeah, and vote on what your favorite Pixar movie is. It's going to be hard to like boil it down to four. But. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Twitter only gives us four options. I mean, we could do a comprehensive list because there's only 18 films, but... Uh, You don't want to do that. No. (laughs) Um, Uh, But we'll see you online and we'll see you in two weeks. Love you guys. Not me. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old past said. Or you got a friend.